Lock it up, very quiet and still. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark. Okay, here we are. We're live. It's happening right now. It is. Jenna Johnson. Thank you so much, Brian. It's nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. So I want to start. I want to start with, you went to grad school. I did. Where did you go to grad school? I went to American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. Ooh, ACT. Yes. Holla. Holla My stomping grounds. (laughs) Oh, it's just such a beautiful city. I couldn't have asked for a better um, place to go to school and just kind of find my freedom again. Okay. So what made the decision to go to grad school? So when I came out of college, I graduated when I was 21, and I wanted to make sure I could work as an actor. So I worked for a couple years doing theater, just making sure it was a viable career for me. I still liked it. And then I decided to go to graduate school. So I went a little bit later. I went about four years after college. You felt like you'd proved some stuff yeah, I just wanted to make sure out. before I dropped all of this money yet again on pretending to be a cat that I really wanted to do and pursue this. Where did you go to undergrad first? I went to Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. Okay, and did theater there? Did theater there. The whole BFA, that's all we did. It's a very, um, it's now bigger, but it was an just an arts college that only had six majors. They were all in the arts, so you were just every day doing the thing you loved uh, and it was amazing that's amazing I went to UCLA so it was the giant school and it was during Schwarzenegger years oh my god (laughs) and his name is on my diploma which probably makes it an eBay item yes 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 also of course the actor comes in and just slashed the arts budget left and right that was exactly what happened Mm -hmm. and I wished I'd been at I thought, thought about going to Bard and I was oh, just imagining yes. being this little tiny town where I'd just be doing theater all the time and the Terminator oh. wouldn't be killing the chance for me to do That's a play. That's the thing. We were a commuter school, so we didn't even have dorms. So we were living in apartments. I was 17, living in an apartment in Seattle with roommates, trying to figure it all out. And we would be going to different spots. They kind of had one college location and didn't get a big building until my senior year. But we were like in the basements of different churches and you'd bike from one end of Broadway to the other end because then you had this other movement class in this other building and it was a really kind of on the ground floor of things and it taught you to get scrappy. Our final year we had to produce our own show. And what just, did you produce? I produced a show that was written by my friend. You either had to be directing in it or writing. My friend Darren Dews wrote me an amazing show called Life of the Party about a woman who has a troubled relationship with her mom and we meet her at her funeral. Ooh. And it was just a short uh, play, but it was just so amazing, kind of all that goes into it. We were in a black box. We had the theater, but how I bargained to get, we had to have a bed, and I bargained with one of the stores in Seattle to be like, can you just give me a bed frame and a bed that I will use for this production? And they did. And so it was just interesting, you know, you're in college full time and trying to put up a show with actors and you're just so tired that I think that's when the creative juices really start flowing. And isn't that maybe one of the best things you get out of college is oh, the yeah. hustle? The is hustle. You had to get that bed. The hustle was amazing because our school didn't have a lot of funding for a lot of things. It was a very uh, do-it-yourself, figure-it-out school and I think that really set me up for a lot of things in life that I was like, I'll just figure it out. I'll figure out how to do this. I'll figure out how to put this costume together. I'll figure out how to get a lighting designer and how to get a set designer. And I didn't depend on anyone else doing it or just money to be there. And I think that was what was really helpful later in my years. And even now when I'm thinking of, you know, doing projects and filming stuff, you can figure it out pretty easily if you put your mind to it. Absolutely. Okay, so back to grad school. Grad school, yes. Tell me the benefits of grad school. The benefits of the grad school are, I think that you, my grad school is three years. And I think in those three years, I learned more about myself than I'd ever had because you are essentially in a bubble. It's like reality TV where they strip away your TV and phone and you're just 
there with these people. My class was 12 people, including myself, day in, day out. You're exhausted. You have no money. Uh, you don't see anybody else but these other 11 people. And I really learned some hard truths about myself, some amazing truths about myself. And I think that was the biggest thing coming to LA, especially, but really going anywhere. I had a good handle on what I could do, what I needed to work on, what I led with, what was interesting to me, what was not interesting to me. And I think that made the work a little bit more exciting. It reinvigorated me in a different way of, oh, well, this is just what you do as an actor. You do this play, this play, this play. I got to get excited about what I wanted to do. So personal development. You personal like development, you for sure. You knowing you, the artist, a lot better. Sometimes we get people who come out here, they're, they're young, they're beautiful, Ugh. they're ready to go, and they have no idea who they are. No idea who they are. Or what I think a lot of times what happens is they want to be that person and so they think that if they're that person on screen they're that person in life mm. and sometimes it's really hard to I always say and joke that I will never be that like exotic beauty in the corner who is that I can be beautiful in my life I can be all these amazing things but that's not what I lead with in terms of TV and film and I think when you start to learn those things about yourself and separate maybe how the world sees you as opposed to your own truth I think that's really important, and I think that really helped me. So I didn't take things personally when I was going out for roles that I thought, oh, that's weird, that's how they see me. No, they're just trying to fill a hole, and I maybe aesthetically look like that, or I have an energy like that, and we'll see if it works. But it doesn't mean that I am those things necessarily, especially if the role was like a, I, I play a lot of racists. Um, I am a very- Mega hats. Yeah, 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 a lot of that. So sometimes it's always hard when you're like, this is not where my values align, but- you start to realize aesthetically I you know I look my family's from Texas you know what I mean like that is well it's a business yeah it's a business you just can't take it personally my favorite thing about Beyonce that's right I'm gonna drop a Beyonce thing Ah. here right Uh, is the Sasha Fierce thing yeah is that she came up with a brand that is different from her Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll have young actors who are coming out here call me um, ask you know what advice do you have and the one thing that no one has ever taken me up on is use a stage name from the get-go. Oh, I love that. But just, so the product isn't used. So that yeah. way, you know, I was almost named Ethan. I always kind of imagined that if I could redo it, oh. I, would be, I would be Ethan Reynolds, which is my middle name or Ooh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole point would be like, well, Ethan Reynolds isn't going any further, but Brian Norris is perfectly happy yes. in his life. Rather than, well, we just don't think Brian is really a good fit yeah. for this. That's so hard. I love that, so though. So I really, I really hope that people try that out sometime. You guys, rename yourselves right now. Right <laughs> now. We'll wait for it. Um, okay, so we got the good side of grad school. Yep. But let's be real. Uh, that's a complicated decision. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about maybe some of the negatives in that Yeah, world? I mean, I think when I started going to graduate school and my initial dreams, I just wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to be in stage. I wanted to do all of those things. And the landscape has really changed. You know, uh, ACT was a company they're not really anymore. And so these theater companies that kind of was my dream to be and live in a city and just do those shows day in, day out with a troupe of actors and have build that, that just doesn't exist anymore. And so I think it was hard being halfway through grad school and realizing, oh, that is... That's no longer on the table. Yeah, the ACT Annette Benning path has kind yes, of closed. Yes, that is closed down. Um, now you're kind of on your own and need to figure it out. And... And I think that what's hard is, especially so many graduate schools, they kind of divide film and theater. So you're either in film 
and you're not doing um, as much work on just like your voice and your body and maybe connection or different works of art, even if you're not going to do them later, you know, you always do a Moliere, a class, all these kind of things to just get really malleable or you do theater and you have no idea how to be in front of a camera. And I think that was really hard. They usually shove it in at the last week. You're already stressed out. A, now the debt is real. You have to leave. You're kind of feel like you've been in this shelter that you're excited to get out of, but you're also very confused. And now they're like, great, we're going to put you in front of a camera. And all that good work you felt about yourself, you're going to feel like crap. And then you're about to graduate. Good luck. And you're older than a lot of the people and who are And you're older than a lot of the people. And you are you feel like you're doing this start that doesn't necessarily feel organic. You feel like you got to hit when the heat is there. And like you got to have your showcase and you better book something or else you're nothing. And all of this was for naught. And so I think that was the hard thing I came to L.A. and I got an agent, which was great, but no one ever told me. My first co-star audition, uh, I went in, I think, for The Ringer. And I think it was like cop, someone at the AA meeting. And I didn't realize, because in theater, every part, you know, you're giving it your best. Did not know even what a co-star was. So, great. And I was so dramatic. I was like, the coffee's over there. And they were like, great, can we just take it down? And I was like, okay, the coffee is over there. And they were like, that's not, okay, goodbye. And I fucked up so many auditions because I didn't understand the landscape in TV and film. I understood how to act, but I didn't understand the pivots that I needed to make. And that was a really hard lesson to learn that no one told me for a while. And just was a real bummer because I think I wasted time when no one was saying like, hey, hey, you need to get into class. This is what this is. Because when you leave grad school, the last thing you want to do is be back in a classroom. The last thing. I was like, if someone gives me one more scene to memorize, I'm out. But I think I could have really benefited from um, a touchstone community here mm-hmm. uh, a little bit sooner than when I found Jairus. Well, that, that makes sense to me. I think that's the difficulty of trusting in a large institution to help you. Yes. And uh, institutions, they're institutions. They've yeah. been around for a long time. They probably have great alumni, great facilities, reasons that they're doing well. Mm-hmm. But it's also like trying to, if you want it to change, it's like turning a cruise ship. Oh, it's... And if you need the the most cutting-edge understanding of what the business actually is, actually expecting something that's been doing theater education for 40 years, yeah. is, it's, a, it's a tough ask. Yeah. So, in retrospect, mm-hmm. do you wish that you had supplemented it with something? Is there... If you could go back and, you know, redo one step coming out of grad school or, you know, something in conjunction with it... I think I would have gotten into class again. And I think a lot of it was ego. It was fatigue. It was finances. It was a lot of stuff. But I think I would have gotten into a class sooner because one of the things I've learned so much here is, A, the community. Because I think not only – you land in L.A. and you kind of, like, knew a couple people. But that was about it. And you just feel so lost and you feel like you have to climb this mountain that feels insurmountable at the time. And you don't know how how you're going to do it. And I just wish I could have gotten into class, put that ego aside, been like, I need to learn to act for film and TV. I need to understand what this business is about. Or even take an internship in a casting office or, you know, kind of use those connections I just didn't really use them to their fullest potential we'd met all these casting people why didn't I just follow up I kept thinking oh I need to be nice I need to you know they'll call me and I didn't have the drive as much as I think I should have and therefore kept my foot off the gas for 
several years until finally I was like, wait, wait. And by that time, you're already frustrated. And then it's hard to work from a place of frustration that feels kind and open. You're just kind of like angrily being like, I don't know why I don't have an audition. And then when you get the audition, you're like, well, I'm really busy. So now I guess I have to do this audition. (laughs) There's no winning. So it doesn't sound like you've decided grad school was the absolute right answer. It wasn't the wrong answer. It's more complicated than that. And if I may. Yeah. It's that if you are going to go to grad school, it's do use it with intention to learn about yourself, take advantage of what's there, and recognize that no matter how much it costs and how great the name is, it's not going to round out the entirety of an education for the job. Yes. I would always say my biggest advice about grad school, it's not going to make or break you. It's not going to make your career. And if you don't get in, it's not going to break your career. It's kind of a numbers game. We had five girls in my class. We all looked different. I was the one blonde. There could have been many other blondes that were put in that position. I just happened to be the person. And so I think when I started to look at it more as an experience and all the things I gained from it as that experience, as opposed to, well, this is, I am better because X, Y, or Z, or this is going to make me have a career. No, don't go into it with that. Go into it if you want to have that experience for that three precious years where you just get to act and do all of these things. And it was wonderful. But I think only towards the end did I realize, oh, this is going to turn out differently than I thought. Okay. So if you are making this transition from focusing on theater to film, mm-hmm. put you on the spot with this yep. one, what do you feel like is some, is there something tangible or a couple tangible things that you're like, these, these are some really concrete things I've learned about how I would adjust a performance for a stage versus film? Yes. I think the technic, the technicals in, uh, especially I'm going to talk about TV. So especially for TV, knowing where knowing where your role fits. If you're the guy bringing in the mail, you're moving the story along. They're not going to wait for you on set. You need to be able to make sure you do that performance consistently every time. You're not going to get a pep talk. Whereas in theater, if you're the messenger, you might have somebody be like, great, so we're going to have you run on. You're going you're to get more attention. And so really understanding the scope of what the guest star is, what the co-star is, who's the lead, what, uh, how is the story moving forward, what's your part in moving the story forward, how those kind of technical things we always break down in class, even so much of, for the guy, if you're the lead, you can't be a dick because we're going to have to fall in love with you time and time again. Same with the women. You need to be open. We need to have this journey with you. doesn't mean you can't have spikes and emotions and a hard edge, but we need to see a softness or some vulnerability that I kept thinking I would take every character just as its own shell as opposed to where it is in the larger machine. And I think when you start breaking down the larger machine of it all, that is important. I like that. I like that a lot. The biggest one I got coming out of college was that theater, for as uh, organic as it feels, <laughs> and you get to explore for oh, weeks, yeah. and we wonder, you know, what animal are mm. you, and are you breathing out yeah. of your taint? I don't know. Always, always. We've all done that, right? Yeah. Um, but for all of those things, you're getting towards performance that's set. Yes. And then you're going to do that performance every single time, and yes. it's your job to find new within that, but you got to mm-hmm. absolutely hit that, and yes. you can... You're in trouble if you don't. You will get notes if you don't. The stage manager will come to you and be like, great, so you said that line a little differently and then you just come downstage. So I remember I did this episode of Castle and uh, a friend of mine was an assistant to one of the producers and he managed to get me my dailies. And he came to me with a CD or DVD and he's like, here, just, I feel like this might be useful for you. And I'd never gotten that before. And I popped it in and I remember looking at this and thinking, oh shit, this is film. Because stage, I'm giving a performance, you're gonna see it, Mm -hmm. then you leave. Film, I'm going to give the editor a palette yep. and they're going to paint something 
that I have very little control of oh, besides yeah. this palette I give them. And watching yeah. those, I realized I really liked the story I was telling. I felt good about mm-hmm. that. But boy, did I just give them that one story like we were on Broadway and I was going to hit it every time. Mm-hmm. And God, maybe they wanted something different. Or yeah. maybe if that story wasn't so good, the ability to adjust on the fly and realize... This is actually something that w- is way more collaborative in certain ways yes. than stage can ever be. Totally. And I think that's, again, the difference in TV as well is it, with theater, you feel you're so in control. The director leaves opening night and you're like, yes, here I am. And, you know, the stage manager's there to keep it intact. But in TV, you show up, you do your thing, and then, <laughs> fingers crossed, it looks good. Like that, that there's nothing more you can do except to try to bring all that you can. And like you're saying, bring this kind of open collaboration that they can go, okay, change this part. Or like, nope, keep going back. Do that same thing. Okay, great. But I just think um, letting it go out of my control was a little bit also like, wait, what? I'm so sorry. Well, and also because you've got to like hit certain beats and the whole thing about oh, yeah. it on camera is actually be perfectly technical, know everything, and now be 100% flexible. Totally. This walk and talk. We're now oh. just going to do three pages, just the two of us looking at each other. Oh, yeah. Or this thing that was just two over the shoulders. I'm going to need you to be cooking during this. And we don't yeah. have a plan for it. Here's a bunch of props. Yeah. Oh. I had a scene where I was doing, um, uh, I did Shameless, and I was having a scene at a table, and across the way, they were having another scene that I was supposed to be throwing lines in between. And so I had to listen to this couple, but not look like I was listening, across the room, and then also hit my things. And it is amazing how technical, but then you're supposed to be fully in the moment and organic and just salt of the earth. And I was like, oh my God. So Shameless. Shameless, yes. Was that fun? It was great. What did you do on Shameless? I played Bambi. Um, Regina King was the director, and uh, such a gift, such such a gift. She, I couldn't, I don't have any any words to describe how warm and that whole cast. Shanola Hampton was, I was doing the scene with her, and she was, she greeted every extra. She said hello to everybody. It was a huge, huge scene. We were at a cookout, and we were um, Kev's. I played Kev's long lost sister, and it was just the camaraderie on there and also just the professionalism from the crew to everybody it was the one of the best days so how did that job come about what's the story of that job um so i actually know william h macy and i had gone to him and for a long time i would never call in favors with people that i knew unless i knew i could kill it and i remember finally going to him and i was like get me in the room I'll kill it. Get me in the room. And he's like, okay. Um, and so he got me an audition. He's the kind of guy who likes challenges like totally. that, Totally, right? like- yeah. He was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, and he got me an audition, and I killed it. And it was great because I felt so, again, this was, I had been at JRS for a while. I kind of understood everything a little bit more. And it was one of the first auditions that I really felt I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm so excited I know what I'm doing. So I think that really helped the ease for me. And it was also just happened to be a role that I was well-suited for, very much in my wheelhouse. So that hits two things for me Mm -hmm. that are both so big. One is the fact that I think lots of people, you know, whether I'm in class teaching or in salon, uh, everyone just wants an agent instantly and they want auditions instantly. And I get it. I was, I was that person. Totally. But what you're saying is so true. There's a most people, no matter, even if you're really good, you still don't know what you're doing No. in an audition room, you're rolling and that's a hard learning curve and a tough pill to swallow. But 
I think understanding like, well, is the work really good? Do you feel comfortable in an audition room? And if not, maybe just take a breath because even if you get in that room, are you really ready to succeed? And that is, by class that I teach, uh, is usually people who are starting out. And that's one of the main things because they get in here and they're like, great, I'm getting headshots, I'm getting an agent, I'm getting this. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. You need to be able to kill it from the jump. And I wish someone had told me that. I wish somebody had said, hold up. Let's work on some stuff beforehand. And when you come in with confidence in a room, that way also you start to learn that, let's say you do the audition and it goes great, but you still don't book the part. You still go, great, I got to act today and I killed it and I'm learning so much. The problem is when you're, when every audition feels like a lifeline, it's really hard to then exist in that space of, that audition didn't go well or I didn't get it therefore I am a bad person therefore I am not enough and that kind of is going back to what grad school started to teach me was I am enough these things are sometimes out of my control but I have that built in from years of training and years of failing and all of that where you go okay cool well that sucks I could get sad about it I could be bummed I could be angry but you move on well it's also buoyed by a trust that you know what you're doing yes. so your life <laughs> won't fall apart yes for sure and I think that's so so terrifying at that first stage is you want to prove yourself but sometimes the proof when it doesn't become about the work and it becomes about the product it usually people burn out pretty quickly yeah the other thing I want to call out from that that I think is so important and I feel like people have a little shame about this is that you knew William H. Macy and you asked for a call I just did New Amsterdam my brother works on that show but the idea that that's going to get you apart is crazy too and I think accepting that when it comes to the people who are going to get the job nine times out of ten it's between a bunch of people who know somebody yes and really then that adds a second layer to your job yeah. Your job is to be somebody who knows people authentically yeah. where, and building up a reputation that is solid enough. I remember, you know, my brother was like, yeah, we can get you a tape for this. I felt more nervous for that tape yes. than any of the others <laughs> because they're looking at it like, well, it's one of the writer's brothers. He better be great. Mm-hmm. If not, that embarrasses him. Yep. There's no just, oh, yeah, let's just give him a part. No. And once you realize it's not just about being good. Mm-mm. It's about being known yes. as someone who can deliver on this. Yes. That's, I feel like no one tells you that part. It's just how good are you in college and then go book. Oh my God, yeah. And I think that was actually what, help, what helped me a little bit in grad school is I wasn't the top person. I wasn't the person who was always getting the leads in the shows. So I started to really, you know, buoy myself up with then the work and just making sure I talked to everybody and I was out there and really making connections. And when I first got to LA, I finally started to make a rule where anyone whose first question to me was, how many auditions did you do this week? They were no longer my friend. Because I was like, I just don't want to have that that energy in my life. It was bumming me out too much. Well, what a boring conversation. Yeah, I was like, and then I just start making it up. I'd be like five. I'm on three pilots. Yeah. I'm actually executive producing everything right now. So thank you for asking. You're Chuck Lorre. I am. And Shonda Rhimes in one. I like that. Um, Going back though. So you, uh, you teach a JRS. I teach a JRS. And I feel like you teach a class that not everyone knows about. Correct. Tell me just a little Um, bit about it. We're kind of rebranding and I think we're going to be calling it organics, but don't quote me. We'll get a drop later. It won't be me making the sound effects. Wacky FM DJ sounds. Please make it just be our voices just on repeat. (laughs) That's the drop. Um, Yeah, so usually people come to JRS, and I like to say a lot of people have pivoted from one creative position in their life to another. So either they're a dancer, they're a stand-up, they've done improv, but then you also have the people who... I have one uh, student who's a nurse, and... 
so they've all decided I want to try acting and it's our job to kind of teach them not just the basics of acting but also I think the basics of having this creative life of being seen, knowing yourself, being comfortable in your own body, being comfortable connecting to someone you might not really know very well. All of these kind of things that go into it. And again, like I talk a lot about is this whole, I talk a lot about what you bring in the room for free and knowing what that is because people are going to put uh, something on you the minute you walk in so before you open your mouth. Specific. What, do you, what yeah. would you say you bring in the room for free? Uh, I bring in the room for free. I think I bring in a ballsy, sarcastic... No. Um, oh, shocking. Ballsy, sarcastic uh, woman who doesn't make the best choices. Uh, usually my characters are drunk or always say the wrong thing. Uh, I usually play a little bit bitchier uh, cutting. You bring in the room more fun things than I bring in I, the room. Yeah. I bring in um, that I'm a good person, so bring me down. Yeah. Just rip my naive yeah. world yeah, yeah, yeah. apart. Real bright eyes over there. Yeah, uh, that will be dim. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. But I think within that, I had to learn anytime I do a scene that had kind of a more cutting vibe to it, I couldn't lean into that or she'd be a real coont. So I really had to back up and be more loving or try to take different tactics. And I think that's the thing that sometimes people get embarrassed if they look naive or this or that or they come off harsher. And again, it's like just harness it. It's your superpower. That's something you don't have to worry about. Great. I would love to. Everybody always wants what's on the other side. The grass is always greener. I would love to come in and looking doe-eyed. That, that's never going to be me. So I always have to play something from a, a little bit different point of view that still fits the story. And when you know what you're bringing in, you know where your compass is starting, then you can uh, rejigger it to where it needs to go. But if you have no idea, if you're like, no, I, I can play anything. You can play anything, but you don't bring everything. And that's the problem I think also people forget is they think, well, I'm just a blank slate. No, you're not. You are not a blank slate. God bless you. Godspeed. You're not. And so the more you can really take in what do I bring, what what am I good at? I always say, what are you going to win at? What are you going to win? Do that, especially when you're starting out. Don't be scared to do the thing that you do well. Do that, fucking kill it, start building that up. Then you can start playing around with the, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, I'm going to malleable, just move this elbow out here and stretch it a little bit more. Well, and it doesn't even have to be the, the sexiest or most exciting thing. Be no. really good at being the nerdiest guy in the room. Oh, my God, Be yes. really good at being the most officious office manager. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. that's what you're going to build your resume doing anyway. No one cares for you to be the lead until we've seen you actually just hit a few fastballs right down the middle, no yep. challenge, just... What do you bring? Totally. Yeah, it's not like we need you to feel like you're Tom Hanks. Tom but that's Cruise what people see is those people who are malleable, but they forget they had a beginning. Yeah. They forget that the Meryl Streep's started somewhere. The Robin Williams is what I love is because it took him a long time till he was doing one hour photo. He was doing what he fucking did great. And then we got to that dark stuff because he had, he had done the work. And then the audience was able to go, oh, I love this other side. But if you don't let them fall in love with you first for what you're doing and killing it at, it's harder for the audience to come along with you. Yeah, it's an understanding of the business that he's built up, these people have built up equity with an audience. They've built up a story that's many yes. movies deep. And everyone's bringing that in. If you don't recognize that's part of it, that's just something to wake up yeah. to. So you teach this class, which yes. is awesome, by the way. Thank you. Um, and you do it with the wonderful Alex Jennings. Yes, yes I do. Cool. I love you, Alex. We both love you. You're <laughs> great. Um, but you also work in the office, right? I do. So you get to see actors uh, also from an administrative point of view, yes. maybe when they don't think they're being seen. Yes. 
right? Uh, yes, yes, what yes. do you feel like you've learned about the way people should hold uh, handle themselves in business situations the way they do? Talk to me about that. Uh, the first thing, if you haven't set up your voicemail, set up your voicemail. Set up your fucking voicemail. If you have set up your voicemail, clear out those messages. Because it's nothing is worse than when you're calling someone either. Because sometimes we'll get, even in the office, we'll say, someone will write in and go, hey, I'm doing this project. Do you have any actors you can think of? Yeah, we think th- we call you and your voicemail's full. I don't have time to sit and write an email. We're on to the next. Sorry. And it is shocking to me how many people whose voicemails are full. I know I'm harping on this, but it's like insane. Yeah. I was. I thought you were dead. Yes. It's like you're you're a people lawyer. People go from zero to you're sixty. Yeah. How do you? What happened here? <laughs> what dumpster fire did your life turn into? Woo! Okay, so set up your voicemail, clear it out, clear it out. But yeah, I think. You know, a lot of people who work in the office, there are a good amount of us who are actors, but there are a good amount of people who aren't as well. And they're here, though, to give you your best experience. And you have to treat them with the same respect you treat your teachers, your TA, your fellow students. I think sometimes in, especially in the beginning, you want to, you know, we want to connect with the other people who can get us stuff, uh, the other people who can put us in stuff. And we sometimes only look at that as the actors around us or the people who are doing directing or writing. It's actually the people, again, like you were saying, being seen. So we have a wonderful team in the office, but you don't know who they know. You don't know who's... Uh, uncle is a screenwriter who's looking for someone and they go you know what this person's been such a gem and I think they bring all this great stuff they'd be great on set because that's another thing I learned is a lot of stuff films far like you even New Amsterdam was in New York Mm -hmm. and they need to be able to trust that you're going to be okay on set when they send you off so being a good person also goes into how are you going to be on set? How are you going to treat craft services? How are you going to treat the hair and makeup? How are you going to, are you going to be prompt? Are you going to know your lines? Are you going to be full of excuses? All of these things go into how you are perceived. And I think that's a hard thing for people because we want to put, I think actors sometimes forget that they're always being watched in a way, which is shitty, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so how do you greet that. I mean, I even feel that way with coaching clients as I'm like, I need to come up with the utmost professionalism because I don't know who they know. And if I'm coming in, uh, what are we working on? And being negative and not being professional, that just reflects poorly on me. And the fact is, if you're doing this with someone who, you know, answers the phone at an acting studio or in a coaching client, you're, the odds are you're doing this with your agent. Yeah. The odds are when you show up to an appointment in the room, which is now like getting a lottery ticket, that you're not showing up prepared or that you're uh-huh. not bringing the necessary materials or showing up 20 minutes late. Yep. And if you don't think that stuff matters, I Ooh. beg you, get on the other side of the table. I want you to intern at a casting office. I want you to work at your agent's office. I want you to be a reader. I want you to direct something. I want you to produce something. And then I want you to see whether you care about the way people treat you when you call and how they handle themselves in their business. Yeah, because I think that's, and it's not going, it's not being disingenuous, but I was an assistant for a long time. And my boss would, if someone would come to the house to to audition, if they were mean to us, he would often be like, hey, were they nice? Yes or no? It's a simple question. Do they look me in the eye? It was amazing how many actors wouldn't even look me in the eyes. I'd greet them, hey, do you want water? It's like when you treat someone less than, it's weird that it's always going to get back to somebody. The assistants, just treat them like a person. When you come into your agent's office, hey, how are you to whoever's greeting you? I think there's a myth that like there's so many famous like 
asshole celebrities that somehow that's part of it. It's like, yeah. no, it's no. backwards. They just got leverage. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can someday get leverage too. And if you decide <sighs> you want to just waste all of that capital, go yes. for it. But do recognize that they didn't start that place. No. Um, well, we are nearing. All right. We're wrapping up here. We're going to do a little lightning round. Oh, real God. Quick. Okay. Oh, my God, right? Woo! Okay. This All right. I'm girding my loins. Okay. Uh, movie you love that doesn't get enough love? God almighty. Yeah. Um, I would say, ooh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I love that. The movie. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus the. with Tim Allen. Okay. The Santa. The Santa Claus. I'd love to unpack that, but it's lightning round. <laughs> yeah. uh, the smartest thing you've done in your career? Ask for help. The dumbest thing you've done in your career? Not ask for help. I feel like with this lightning <laughs> round, I'm going to get a couple of call yeah. responses there. Um, your biggest career achievement up now, up to now? Uh, I would say actually being a teacher right now feels that. I love that. Uh, rank these in the order of importance okay. for an acting career. Okay? okay. I can read them again if you need it. Yeah. Talent, uh-huh. business savvy, mm-hmm. attitude, mm-hmm. and luck. I would say the first one is attitude, the second one is luck, the third one is business savvy, and the last one is talent. The role, the, a role that you would have loved to have played. It can be a stage role or it can be a movie. Uh, that, I love the goat or who is Sylvia, and I want to play that main female role. I just want to be breaking those vases oh. in that scene. I just want to be smashing it. I see you breaking things on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the office. And uh, we might have already covered this, but off, off chance we didn't, what's the best advice you would give to an actor in the first one to three years of their career? Put your ego aside and just bury yourself in the work. Bury yourself in the work, break a lot of plates, go watch The Santa Claus. (laughs) Thank you, Jenna Johnson. Thank you, Brian. And uh, we'll do this again soon. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jenna and to our presenting sponsor, John Rosenfeld Studios. For more information on Jenna's classes, as well as the JRS Short Film Festival coming up this Sunday, go to www.johnrosenfeld.com. Thank you so much for the social media uh, love and feedback and for uh, the awesome reviews. It really means the world. And uh, we'll be back next week with a couple more new episodes. Until then.